Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like sabotage. It flees into the night. It, it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. No promises a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart one too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? You can't help me. Why love at all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love. Perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's His kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, He still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. Well, good morning, everyone. Again, we just want to say a special welcome to everyone who's joining us online. I just want to look straight into the camera and say we're so glad you're here with us. And everyone that's here with us in person, too, we're glad you're here. It's a great weekend to celebrate God and this 4th of July week that's coming up. It's just a great, great time. And I know there's going to be a whole lot of boating going on. I know some friends that are out at the lake even today that will be watching us later. And it's just a great time to celebrate with family. But in the midst of all this, there are some recurring conversations that I have as I travel from day to day. And, and as I end up having the same conversation over and over again with so many different people, it's like the same topics are popping up. So I, I find myself like getting so excited because I get the opportunity to share it again. And as though it was almost a week ago, I was just getting ready, wasn't even thinking about service because I just finished the service for that week and everything was going so well. And all of a sudden, I just got the download for a message that's surrounding everything that I talk about so frequently. So I started writing it down furiously, and here we are this morning with that message. 
The thing that I found is that there's so many people that have the, the image of church, and I've talked about that a little bit before, and people have this image in their mind of what church is, and so they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that because of what that is, but it's really not the truth of who God is. But what they end up seeing is, instead of love, legalism. So the title of my message this morning is The Other L Word. The other quotation, L word. Legalism is doing something because you're required to. In fact, I, I was listening to a message from Andy Stanley this past week, and he's talking about the, the different Hebrew traditions, and there's the, the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down the hill with him from God that God the first time wrote with God's own finger, and the next time God made Moses chisel it out because Moses got mad and um, threw it down and broke it, which is still kind of comical because it shows you that Moses is a great man of God, but he's also like us. He can lose it. But it was said that there is then the oral Torah, the words that Moses just didn't write down, but those are still God's words, but nobody knew what they were, and it turned out to be that people would just manipulate them, and they would just make it up as they went kind of thing, and so a lot of what Jesus is refuting when he was here on the earth was actually where they're saying, well, this is in the, and it doesn't really spell it out necessarily in our King James Version, but they're talking about the oral Torah. Well, this is what Moses said, but no one really knows what it said because it can never be written down and only with the good people, the really, you know, informed, intelligent people, the select few will know. And Jesus is like, no, you missed the whole thing of my father. But what tends to happen is we end up in legalism, trying to do something because someone's putting their thumb on your head and trying to say, this is what you have to do. But can I tell you, love, true love, accomplishes more without restraint. And that's kind of the thesis of my message this morning, just in a, in a thumbnail sketch of what it's about. But I want you to see that there's two different words. There's legalism, and then there's love. And Jesus talks a lot about love, but he's constantly bombarded with legalism. You know, I've been widely criticized throughout my life with, with this, um, this philosophy that I had that I told my wife before we got married. And I said, listen, I want you to know something about me. I, in my past, was a phenomenal liar. I could lie and I could, I could snow you over and I could do a really good job. I chose when I was in high school to let that behind me and not continue on with that. But it's right there for me to pick up anytime I want to pick it up. And I could really lie to you. I could, I could cheat on you. I could do all of these things. And you would probably, most likely, never know because I'm that good. Sad to say. But let me tell you, while you would never catch me likely, God sees everything. And I'm more concerned with what he thinks about me and that I hear him telling me that he's pleased with me than I am with whether I'm going to get caught with you. And I get criticized with that, and, and I've even been told, you know, we all love God. You can't just say you love God. It's not about that. It is, but on a bigger scope, it's about my devotion and my connection, my personal relationship with him is at a, such a higher level that everything below it fits into its place. But can I tell you that I signed my marriage license agreeing to be faithful to my wife. I'm going to kind of just break it down a little bit and try to explain it a different way. 
And I have been faithful to my wife. I haven't run off with any other women. I haven't ran out of any affairs. I haven't done all that stuff. But for me, I'm not doing it because I signed a document. I'm not faithful because of that document, though I did sign it. I'm not being faithful to that signed document. See, the end result is the same. I am being faithful. But breaking it down, what am I being faithful to? That document or the love that I have for my wife? And that's where the crux comes in because legalism would be like, you sign that document, you could never do anything wrong, you can't cheat on your wife, you can't do this other, you can't go over here and you can say, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this because I signed this document. But over here, when I love my wife, I end up doing the same thing that legalism would try and get me to do. The end result is the same. But where's the motivation? See, Jesus gave, God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. And you can see those in Exodus 20. And if there's one thing that probably everyone knows, it is the Ten Commandments. But we have an image of it here of a church that put this up out and, and granted in front of the church. And I, I, I kind of think that's actually pretty cool. But, and I'm just going to hit them really quick in case, you know, for some reason need a reminder or anything. But thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not worship any graven image of me. Thou shalt not take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and thou shalt not covet. And I'm sure just about everybody knows those and would be able to put those together, maybe not even quote all of them, but, but probably get the majority of them. And you hear it even a lot talked about the, you know, well, God says he's against murder, and God says thou shalt not kill, and, and it is a topic that we know. But you see, that's the law. That's the legalism side of it. And then they added all these other things that are the oral Torah that I've already mentioned or these other writings that was like case law that we would have today. And so they end up with these huge volumes of things to do. So when Jesus is walking on the earth, they decide they're going to try and trick him and try and put him in a, in a hole. So they got the smartest guy they could find. And they got him to try and trick Jesus. We pick this up in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, so these religious leaders, that he just, you know, decimated them. Then the Pharisees all got together in verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law. So, I mean, they got the best guy they had to test Jesus with this question. And what their purpose is, verse 36, I'll just go ahead and say it. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? in the law. So they were trying to get him in the corner because if he said thou shalt not murder, he says, well, what about adultery? Well, what if, if he said adultery? Well, what about thou shalt not? And so they're going to try and get him on this. And Jesus completely blows him out of the water with his response. Verse 37. I love, I love Jesus. I just love the way he just responds to everything and just like knocks you off at the knees and you're like, oh, what? I don't even know what happened. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God, with all your heart. Pause. We just saw the Ten Commandments. That's not even one of them. That's not even one of the ten. How is it that Jesus is coming up and saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind? And it's not even one of them. How can you answer the question and it's not even one of the ten? 
It's crazy. Literally, the word heart means spirit. That spirit that comes alive when you accept God into your life. Soul means literally the breath of God. Like when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, when he made Adam out of the dirt and breathed into him. That's the same word as soul there. Breath, pneuma, is the Greek word there. Not that I'm trying to impress you with Greek because that's about all I know. The next one, mind, means your disposition, your, your thoughts, your understanding. So you need to love the Lord your God with your spirit, with everything that's in the breath, even your very life inside of you, your disposition, your thoughts, and your understanding, and everything you have, that's how you're supposed to love God. Continues on, verse 38, and this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where it kind of gets tricky and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to dig into that just a little bit. But Jesus is now giving the second one that is also not in the Old Testament, also not in the Ten Commandments, also not one of the ones that you could look at and say, oh, okay, there it is, check. No. And then verse 40, he says this, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he's saying the totality of all of the law is now summarized into these two things. Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So can, I, can I suggest to you that walking in unrestrained love, and that, that's the definition I'm giving it this morning, agape love, which is the word there that is literally there, means I'm giving you this love and I'm expecting nothing in advance, in return. In fact, some of the thoughts are even, you can't even give me anything that's equal to what I'm giving back, but there's no way for you to repay it. It's not, I love you, you love me. It's unrestrained love, like I'm giving you all of my love. But if, if we can put that image back up of the Ten Commandments that, that we had up there, I want you to just look at this. If I have no other gods before me because I love God, out of a, a, a position of loving God, not because the Ten Commandments said I have to have no other gods before him, then I won't cheat on God. I won't be over here running and, and trying to chase all these different religions. And, and, and I won't have an image of God that I will bow down and worship, which is number two. And I won't take his name in vain. If I'm really in love with him, I won't misuse the name of God, which is number three. I'm going to go to his house. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to make sure there's time for God in my life if I have this love relationship going on with him. And if I have unrestrained love for others, guess what? I'm going to honor my father, my mother. I'm not going to murder my brother because I get all these anger or whatever else that would motivate someone. I'm not going to do that because I have unrestrained love for him. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to steal or, or say bad things, giving a false testimony, which check, 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 and check on my neighbor because I have unrestrained love for them. Lastly, I'm not going to covet my neighbor's house, his wife, or his possessions if I have unrestrained love for him. See, we can come at it from two different perspectives. We can come at it from over here that, man, I, the Ten Commandments are right here. I've got to do this. 
I've got to walk in this way. I've got to be, okay, let me, you know, like white knuckle it. I've got to, got to buckle down. I've got to just do this. I hate this, but I've got to do this. Or you can enter into a love relationship with God. And as a result, a love relationship with his creation. Can I tell you, the end result is the same. The same way as I don't be faithful to my, I'm not faithful to my wife because of a signed document, though I signed it. I'm faithful to my wife because I love her. And I'm in a love relationship. See, the problem with us as humans is we try and make formulas. We try and say, well, if you do this and then this, then this happens. This is where legalism comes in. This is where we try to figure it out how we can make it all work so that there's a cookie cutter going to stamp, 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 and it's all going to work. No. We try to put rules, we try to make rules and put them on someone to make them do something. We end up in situations, even in relationships, uh, well, if you're going to stay with me, then you've got to do this and this and this. And we so easily slip into a formula for making someone do what we really want them to do. You see, Jesus is coming at it from an entirely different perspective. What happens if we simply follow the example of Jesus? Can I tell you, I become a better me when I'm walking in love instead of legalism. I become successful. I am happy. How about that? How many people do you know that are truly happy? As long as you're trying to fulfill paperwork, as long as you're trying to just punch into the, the box and fit everything in there and do it because you're out of your own strength, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be happy in love. You're going to be at peace in love. Can I tell you, you're going to be able to sleep well. You're going to have rest when you're in love. And not so insignificantly, you're enjoyable to be around. People enjoy being around you. See, Jesus was the life of the party. Everyone enjoyed him. Even when it says he's hanging out with sinners and, and chief sinners and, and the worst of the worst. They enjoyed being around Jesus. Why? Because of his love. Now let me ask you. You, you say, okay, well, if, if I go in this love and then they let me down, and then what? Because, you know, at least over here, if there's the law, if there's the, the legalism, then I could say, hi, you, you messed up, you, you hurt me, you failed me, you, all of these different things. But if I say this over here and I'm not expecting anything in return, how is this going to work, Pastor Kevin? Well, <laughs> glad you asked. When love is the framework, we see in 1 Peter 4, verse 8, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, we've talked about him a lot lately. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Same word, love, agape love, that I'm not expecting anything in return. Look at the last part of that. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And you know, I've heard that scripture a lot during my life, and I've heard it quoted a lot, but I honestly have missed a lot of the translation personally. And I want to suggest to you that we as people do. Love covers 
Love covers. In, in, in my South Texas vernacular, if I'm going to go to sleep and I have a blanket I'm putting over me, then it's going to be my covers. I'm going to put some covers on because I'm going to take a nap in a few minutes on a Sunday afternoon. Love is that blanket that covers, that covers over what? A multitude. Not one time. Not two times you're pushing it with me. Not three times I can't deal with you anymore. But a multitude. Verse 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without, without grumbling. In other words, be nice. <laughs> and don't run your mouth about people. Look at this, verse 10. Each of you, use whatever gift you've been given. Use the gift that God has given you. Every one of us has a gift that God has placed in our life to be a blessing to others, to serve others. Look at the last part of that. As faithful servants, stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That is what we're all supposed to be, a various form of God's grace, God's love. And what does that look like? It's different for every one of us. Your measure of grace and your dispensation of grace and giving it out is different than mine, and mine is different than yours. And I love that, that analogy of, of, of a covering. And every time I'm in counseling, this is one of my favorite um, things I like to use, that if you've got these issues over here, can you just take the blanket of love and pull over those things? It's a great visual in your mind to think about, hey, I'm just going to take the blanket of love and I'm going to cover over. Does it mean it wasn't there? No, it doesn't mean it wasn't there. It's there. It means you're going to cover it over. May I suggest to you, love is like a blanket. The covers in Texas that you just cover over that. Proverbs 25.2, the first part of it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. That word conceal means to cover it over. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to cover that over. Again, it doesn't mean like it didn't happen. It doesn't mean I'm putting my head in the sand. It means it's the glory of God not to beat you up because you made a mistake. Now, if I want the glory of God in my life, if I want to be like God, then I need to act like God. And I need to do the same thing. But in this context, what does it cover? When I say it covers over and it's covers, it's like a blanket. What is it covering? Sin. <laughs> Jesus isn't even, God isn't even like trying to hold any punches. He's like, ah, it's not your shortcomings. It's not where you maybe in the gray area, man, he just nails it right out there. It's sin. It's where you miss the mark. That's where somebody despitefully used you. They, they did it again. And how much? Multitudes. It says it covers a multitude. The word literally means, or literally is pletho. I, I get the image that it's plethora. It's like this huge number of like you can't even guess how much. It literally means to be full. It means to be this great ginormous number. That's how much we're supposed to be covering. Can I tell you the grace of God is our covers. The grace of God is our covers. It covers over even a multitude of my sins from God's standpoint. And I need to then use that same measure that was met to me and cover the sins of those that are around me. 
We've talked in great detail about the woman caught in adultery, and it's in John chapter 8, if you want to go and read it. And for the sake of time, we're not going to dig down deep into that. But if you'll recall the story, Jesus is at church, and he's preaching this message, and all of a sudden, in the middle of it, they bring this woman, and I believe she's either naked or barely clothed, and threw her at his feet and says, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says we're supposed to stone her to death. What do you say? Again, they're trying to trick him up. They're trying to get him to where he will say something like, aha, I gotcha. If you haven't heard this whole story, you can go back and listen to it in several different places in our podcast. And, and I love how Michael says you can binge on our podcast. And, and I just heard last night of someone that's binging on. He's got an hour drive to work and an hour drive back. And he's, he's listened to like 10 in a week. That cracks me up. That's, um, he says he likes some of the stories, and he's telling me the ones he likes the best. It's pretty funny. But you can go back and listen to that. But Jesus went to that woman when everybody else was gone. When the opportunity would be for him to shake his finger at her and say, now listen, he didn't. He says, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Go and don't miss the mark anymore. Do better. Don't sin. See, Jesus took the covers and he covered over her sin. Now in Luke chapter 7, we see the same woman shows up at a dinner party that Jesus is at. And we're going to go through this really quickly. And when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town, the same woman caught in adultery, who, was a, who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Now imagine she was facing certain death. She deserved it. And there was no doubt in her mind or anybody else's mind, she was caught in the very act. She was spared. That cover of grace, of love was pulled over top of her. She is so thankful for what God has done in her life that she goes to Jesus and, and she's just crying, not because she didn't get killed, but because she got a second chance at life. Continuing. Then she wiped them, her, his feet, with her hair and kissed them and, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, now notice I bolded that a little bit. He said to himself, he didn't say this out loud in his mind. He sent her thinking in his mind, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. See, he's sitting there and he's got his judging goggles on going, nah, 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 going after her. She is a sinner. I love Jesus. Verse 40, Jesus answered him. He just saw it. Jesus is talking about what he just saw. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Can't you see his piety? Just like, oh, yes, Jesus. Tell me, what is it, teacher? He says, two men owed a certain man, moneylender, one of them owed 500 denarii and another 50. So whether or not you know the value of a denarii, think about 500 versus 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Then he turned to this woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Which is very comical to me because Jesus just read his mind that he's sitting there judging her and judging Jesus. He knew what kind of woman she was. And he's like, hey, have you seen her? 
This woman shows up at this dude's house uninvited. She sneaks in, and she's behind Jesus crying. I mean, how many of you know if there's a crying woman in the house, everybody knows where she's at, okay? And Jesus says, um, have you seen her? I came into your house, but you didn't give me any water for my feet. And she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. NASB says this, for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, <laughs> look at this, her sins, which are many. Jesus isn't cutting any punches. He's not saying, oh, they're not that bad. No, I'm not suggesting in any of my messages that sin doesn't have this terrible weight that, that is not a black stain. It's not this terrible situation in our life. I'm not suggesting that for any situation. This is for sins, which are many. I mean, dude, she sinned really good. Look at the rest of that. They have been forgiven, for she loved much. And who has been forgiven little, loves little. He's like, man, you're missing it. I've covered over these sins with this blanket of love. And now she's showing how much she loves. Because her sins were so many. She knows that. She doesn't need you pointing that finger at her. See, Jesus covered her sins when she's thrown down in front of him. He had her back. She didn't deserve Jesus to have her back. He validated her, not her sins. He said, your sins, they're many, but they were past tense, forgiven. First Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. If we're talking about love, you have to look at this. Love, verse 4, is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast and is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, and it's not easily angered. Look at this. It keeps no record of wrongs. You're supposed to cover over this blanket of love, and this is agape love. And the word there where it says love is, all these things, that's agape love. This is the radically extravagant gift of loving with no expectation of anything. Keeps no record of wrong. It's going to cover this multitude of sins. Like I'm, I'm not going to keep track and say, oh, that was one, that was two, that was three. Verse six, it does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Verse seven, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always, pers always perseveres. But can I just point out some of those things why I had them underlined behind me? Because we would say, if you betrayed the love that I gave you, if you betrayed the trust I gave you, okay, I'll cover that up or I may forgive you, but I'm never going to trust you again. I'm never going to let my hopes be in you and I'm, I'm going to be done with you. And yet, while I like to receive this for me, it's more difficult to give it out to others. True love protects, always trusts. Wait a minute. It always trusts. But don't you understand when it, no, no. You see, when that multitude of sins is covered over, it still always trusts. It always hopes. 
it always perseveres. But is it in the value of the person who sinned? Or is it in the value of the God who created that person? In closing, can we endeavor to love? The other L word. Can we endeavor to truly agape love? The radical, extravagant gift, unrestrained love that covers over. Don't judge. Don't put people in a box. But walk in love. When there's failures, because we're all going to miss it, when they miss the mark, in that repeated mistake, that you did it again moment, walk in love. Can we use God's love and covers? Can I tell you the truth? Legalism has never accomplished anything. But frustration on both parties. Let us love. Let us walk in the love that is God's love. Will you bow your heads with me? In order to have the love, the agape love, that's described and demonstrated by Jesus, you first need to know him. You can't walk out in, in giving this out to anyone until you've received it yourself. And knowing him is one of our core beliefs. It's the first one to know God. This morning, I want to invite you to say this simple little prayer with me. And I'll help you with the words. If that's you this morning, just simply say, Jesus, today I surrender my will. I want to know you. I invite you to come live inside of me. Save me. Change me. Show me what and how to do it. Today I'm beginning this relationship with you. I put my hope in you. I take my direction from you. And I'll follow you. I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer with me today for the first time or maybe coming back to you. God, I just thank you that all of heaven is rejoicing when one person comes to you. Lord, I speak a blessing over them, and Lord, we seal that time and seal this message with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Michael's already told you that our way of communicating is through texting as a church. And, and our text number is 469-289-1114. And it, if you made that step today, I want you to simply send us a text with the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And we want to hear your testimonies. We want to hear what's going on. And Michael also told you guys earlier in the announcements that we've switched our giving platform. Um, we were having some trouble with the one we were on, and a couple of people weren't able to give, and just some of the back-end stuff was a problem. And we gave it six months to try and get it resolved, and it just didn't work, so we switched. So when you go to givetobelong.com, or any of our giving methods or platforms, it's all going to the same place. But if it's your first time doing it on the new one, it's going to ask you a couple of things. We've got all your previous giving all in there, so you're not going to miss out on anything. But I encourage you, for those of you who want to be a part of our um, financial success as a church, to go to givetobelong.com. And of course, our paying our tithes and our offerings and everything. So if you will stand to your feet, and let's pray and be dismissed. Father God, I just thank you for our service that we had this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to learn about your love, to learn about covers, 
And while we all love to be under the covers, and we love when our sins get covered over and we, we get a second chance or a 400th chance, Lord, let us turn and give that same extension of your love to those around us. Let us become the ones who cover. Let us walk in the glory of a king, the glory of God, to cover over this multitude of sins and others. Let us see people as you see them. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who has sent in that welcome text, Lord, everyone that has sent in a prayer request, Lord, who sent in their testimony, what you're doing in their lives, Lord. I love the stories that I hear all week long of what you're doing. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who paid their tithes and their offering this week. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I speak your blessing, Ari. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.